0: Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great podcast. ESPN and Anscape contributor Dominique Foxworth's podcast is every Tuesday and Thursday, bringing you his perspectives on football, the personalities that surround it, and just about anything else he finds interesting. So check out the Dominique Foxworth Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Coming up on this episode of The Right Time, I'm going to give you some NFL news you might not be expecting. But first... (laughs) All right, guys, I understand why a lot of you are listening to this podcast, right? Because you expect me to be petty. And I don't blame you. I have, have a fairly documented track record of such behaviors. Right? You know, I'm not going to pretend like I don't know where you might be coming from and this expectation that pettiness is about to follow. But I'm really not inclined uh, to have such a reaction to Deion Sanders making the decision to go to Colorado. Now, for me. The three jobs that we'd heard his name attached to, and we don't know who all offered him a job, but the three we heard his name attached to were Colorado, Cincinnati, and South Florida. Of those three, Colorado would have been the least desirable option. Cincinnati would have been the most desirable option. Four of the last five coaches to get jobs at Cincinnati wound up with power five jobs. And the fifth one somehow is a United States Senator. South Florida, I probably would have gone to number two. The reason I probably would have gone there in spite of all the limitations that that job has is I think Deion was going to be there for a good time, not a long time. And I do think that that was a school that would have allowed him to hit for a lick in that transfer portal. Then would have let him put together a recruiting class that would have probably wound up being a top 25 national recruiting class, but you take a top 25 national recruiting class into the American, and you are demonstrating that you run the world. And then from there, your best power five options probably come up. But the counterpoint to that, and I think is maybe a fair one for taking Colorado is, who was actually going to offer Dion a job? And we don't have the answer for that. Like, we can't act like Dion isn't black. You know what I mean? Like, these programs that go out of their ways to o- offer jobs to black people, they really aren't that many of them. There appears to be one. And by the way, that one is Colorado, which has now hired its third straight black coach. Now, let me tell you this right now. If Dion don't win, it ain't going to be the fourth. I mean, I'm a little bit shocked that it got all the way to the third, but honestly, in a way, that made me think they was kind of sort of, you know, out here tanking, right? Like, hiring Carl Durrell did not make me think that they were going to try to win, and they had one of them jobs that they were really having a hard time getting anybody to take. It's a program that isn't particularly well-funded and does not have, as far as I can tell, a single recruiting advantage over anybody else, Right? Like, what is Colorado selling to players that they can't get anywhere else? Like, even legal weed, they do that a lot of places now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have what it is that makes Colorado a good job. They were in it 30 years ago. Again, they were in it 20 years ago, to be fair. But this isn't that job at this point. The significance of the pack, I guess is going to be 10 again. I don't know. Like that, That right there is dwindling a little bit. But they did want to hire him. So much to the point that I don't know if you saw this, but they asked uh, one of them suits at Colorado where they were getting the money from. And they said, they ain't got the money yet. They ain't even got the money yet. They're like, yo, we're going to go for Dion. And I get it. Because if you watch that press conference, all of that was, this was a relevance play. Like everything about doing this for Colorado seems to be a relevance play. And the only thing that people surrounding the program seem to care about was the idea notion of relevance or excitement. This is why I say this. I feel like I've watched a lot of these coach press conferences, right? Like the introductory ones. Now, granted, most of them are for programs in the South. But still, I've watched a lot of these. There was something that every other one of them that I can recall had that this one did not. And that was any questions about football. I didn't hear anything about scheme. Like if you pay attention to this stuff in college football, you can go through all the cliches that you wind up hearing. Yeah, we know you're going to be multiple on defense. Yeah, we know you want to get athletes in space on offense. You know what I'm saying? All of those things. But you know those cliches because those are the questions you ask. Not a single person there asked Dion a single question about football nothing about scheme nothing about any of those things you ain't getting none of those questions right but Dion killed that press conference i watched that right he's incredibly charming and he killed that press conference and if you had a football program that you wanted a reason to be excited about then this is the one and then you've heard i mean i, I forget where i saw this but how many players have been curious about colorado in the portal right how many recruits four and five star guys now want to see what colorado has going This is all Dion. Like, this is the power and the magnitude of his personality. And so, you see why it is that Colorado did it. And even to a degree, you see why Dion might feel like I can do this just about anywhere that I go. If I got Patrick Hunter to come to Jackson State, maybe I can pull this off at Colorado in that way. Except, except, except. Here's the thing. I know what there was to sell about Jackson State. Right? Right? We could point to all the negatives that have made it such that black colleges don't recruit players of this caliber, right? We can point to all the facility stuff and everything else, da-da-da-da-da, up and down. But what you did have the option of selling was Jackson State, was the environment, was the campus, right? Like going to an HBCU, that is what you had to sell. Like that, and you can make your own argument about how far that sale should go. Right, you can make your own argument about for you how important that selling point was, but it's a selling point, it does exist. And if you don't believe it's a selling point, I don't know if you saw a guy and he looks at uh Shadur Sanders, Deion's son, who was up there for that press conference, he ain't really looked that happy to be there. Now, you think about this, man, that boy, the man down there at Jackson, he the man down there in the swag and I bet he is having a ball and your daddy come in and say we moving to Colorado right any of y'all ever had your parents walk in and be like yo we moving to such and such but you was good where you was at I've been there but I wasn't in college like let's keep it real here okay if you're Shador Sanders and you go look up his resume. The boy, good. Okay. If you're him and you want to move up to a power five school, you could probably go somewhere better than Colorado. <laughs> Couldn't you? And you get there and you're in the press conference and your daddy is up there and says, there's your quarterback. Uh, But he going to have to earn it. Do you think any of these young men that play for Colorado are going to hear that it, but you got to earn it part or you think they're going to hear it, uh, that's your quarterback part? Do you think that's going to make life easy for young Shador Sanders? Nah, man, his daddy set him up for a bad one on that. A real bad one on that. And you know what was striking in that point I just said? Shador Sanders seemed to be a little sad about leaving Jackson. His daddy... Did not and that's where we take our moment to get to the areas where you guys figured I might be petty look the reason I'm not inclined to be the variety of a- that I would normally be under these circumstances it's because there really is something sad about this, okay? And what I say is sad about this to me, I was talking to one of my homies um, in Jackson, right? And he was just talking about what it meant for Dion to be there and for that school and he was talking particularly about the fact that and maybe something will change by the time this podcast comes out or maybe something's changed by the time I'm sitting here in this chair, right? Had a busy morning. But Dion did not do the post-game press conference in Jackson. He went and did what he called a meeting with his players that of course was recorded because they record everything. And then the meeting with the players was put out and then he went to colorado and he did the press conference and at the end of the press conference i found this very interesting he gets to the end of the press conference and he points to um to rick i can't remember if rick was the ad or the president i don't really care i had never heard of him before anyway and he points to him and he says i want to make sure that everybody knows and it has to be said that he talked about what can we do to kind of reach back to Jackson State? Like something that we can do for the school and for, you know, school that needs some help or whatever. Is there anything that we could do? And Dion wanted to make sure that we knew that this man had said that he wanted to do something for Jackson State. But I ain't heard Dion say nothing to the city of Jackson or to Jackson State yet. And that is mind-blowing to me like when i told y'all that dion was in this for dion do you get where i'm coming from what dion did not do that i feared was that he was going to load up the roster with poor character dudes just so he could hit for a lick at jackson and then roll out he did not do that at least as far as i can tell although no there was this one player that he had brought in with that had a little assault situation and that was the one where um where he had that run in with the with the newspaper and they were having trouble getting their report in there. It was about that one, So let me be careful. But I don't think he left like a stain on campus with the players that he brought. And I worried me because I knew that he was looking at this as a short-term solution. And he was looking at it as a short-term solution, right? But he didn't do that. They had a very good football team and they brought great pride to that city and they brought great pride to that university, Right? But Dion's got to be honest about something here. They gave him a job he had no business having. Okay. The reason that Dion wound up at Jackson State, and I don't know this explicitly, but this is for my money. Okay. You ever know, hear people talk about what a great head coach Peyton Manning would be. And Peyton Manning would probably be a great head coach. But you know what Peyton Manning's not going to be? Nobody's assistant coach. And in order to become a head coach, you have to be somebody's assistant, right? And not just, nobody walks in as offensive coordinator, right? Like you're coming in as some sort of position coach and then moving up the ranks generally to become a head coach. It is a process that takes years and it is a process that involves you being somebody subordinate. It is a process that involves you hitting the road, doing all that recruiting. Now with Peyton Manning, we're talking about the NFL, but with Deion, that's what it would be. And Deion didn't want to do that. And I don't have a problem with the fact that Dion didn't want to do that. Like, for example, when I started as a writer, my first real like, full-time job was at a columnist at, as a columnist at ESPN.com. Well, they let me go. I didn't have any of the other experience, but I did, i was like 27, 28 years old. I didn't want to cover high school sports. You know what I mean? I did not want to do that. I wanted to find ways to get back to where I was without having done that. I'm not judging Dion for the fact that he didn't want to be an assistant coach, but I'm saying Jackson put him in a position where he was able to skip the line. And I don't think, I doubt they've ever hired a head coach before that had never been an assistant. And I don't know how many people were willing to give Deion jobs in that place. I know it wasn't none of them Power Five or any of them others because he would have taken those jobs if they had been there. Right? No, Jackson gave him the chance. But see, once you get to Jackson, now you got to play the game. Because the problem with college sports is it's a year to year proposition for the coaches, but they're selling players on a four year plan. And so everybody has to sell this as something bigger. And so you're trying to get kids to not, like Patrick Hunter, you're trying to get Patrick Hunter to not go to Alabama, right? Well, you got to sell what you got, right? I got this environment, I got Jackson State, but hey, man. You don't need to go to these other places to go to the NFL, which by the way is true, right? I've got all these things I got to sell, man. People act like the black college is lesser. It's not lesser. It's just as good. This is what you're going to say because this is what you have to sell, right? And so with Dion, he sold it as something bigger, right? He sold it as purpose. And he said that God told him to go there. We are going to get back to that point. But he sold it as something larger because what he had to sell was something larger if he had to sell the little things he really didn't have much of a chance what he had to sell was the something larger and so he sold the something larger and the people in that town believed in the something larger and they turned out to support that program they filled up that stadium they been on the internet they did all the things that you do when you love a program, and they were there for him and they worship him as football coaches are typically worshiped. And they are a big part of creating the scene that gives us what Dion is now, right? Because in games that had 47,000 people at them before Dion got there, had 47,000 people at them with Dion there. They were traveling when it's time to do game day, even though Dion is privately afraid they're gonna embarrass him because they ain't got no signs. They showed up. And they showed out. They did it all. And that program allowed him to get this job at Colorado. Why has he not gone over the top in giving his thank you to Jackson State for doing that? If he has, I haven't seen it. Why aren't you doing that, man? Like, all of this about the people, about black folks and everything else. And he's right. Black people are underrepresented in the Power 5 coaching ranks. Right? They absolutely are underrepresented in those ranks. And him having the opportunity to do that, I have absolutely no problem with the fact that he took it. And I would probably take it in the same situation. Right? But you couldn't come tell these people, thank you. That's all I'm saying. I don't care about you dipping. I don't care about you leaving. You gotta give these people to thank you. He didn't even do media availability after the SWAG championship game. He's on the stage, like, hurry up, hurry up with the trophy and everything, you know, with the trophy presentation and everything else. And I just think that 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 has just been in such poor taste, right? And what I told people from the beginning, Dion's not of this world it doesn't mean anything to him in a first-person sense, right? Like, it could mean something to him in theory because blackness means something to him. But having a personal relationship and association with the world of black colleges, he just didn't have that. Like, Eddie Robinson at Alabama State looked kind of foolish with that. He ain't swag thing, but the truth is he's not. That's not what he's of. That's not what he's from, right? Right? But the other thing about Deion that you have to remember is nobody hires black coaches from black colleges. Deion was always playing a different game than they were because they never had a chance to play the game that Deion was playing. They were never going to have the opportunity to be head coaches. They were never going to have the opportunity to recruit five-star guys and all of this. Because so much of this was so singular and so particular to Deion Sanders. And so if what he was going to do at Jackson State was going to be about Jackson State, it was going to be sustainable. He was going to need to stay there 10 or 15 years. Like that was going to have to be a long-term project. Dion leaving after three years is kind of like when Bob Marley died, right? How many white folks you think was really paying attention to the reggae after that? They knew about Bob Marley. They weren't reggae fans. They was Bob Marley fans. You understand what I'm saying? And that's what kind of happened with Jackson State where the idea is that he brought all this attention to HBCU football. No, he didn't. It brought all this attention to Jackson State. Right? It's not like Jackson State's going to be gone and now we're going to pivot and ask the question, well, now who's the best team in the swagger? Now who's the best team in black college football? That's not what it's going to be. This was always a play for Dion, And the only problem I have with it is that we didn't act like it was that. He didn't act like it was that. He acted like it was something larger because he said that God gave him a purpose to do this for HBCUs. And then apparently, God decided that he needed a raise. Maybe God wanted 10% of 5 mil instead of 10% of 375, right? But then God sent him to Colorado. And no, and the problem I have with that, now look, I'm not a religious dude and I'm being clear about this. This is not my opportunity to bag on you for being religious if that's what you do. What I am saying though is God told me to do this. This is God's work, removes agency from any of your decisions, right? You now aren't responsible for it. So since God did it, you ain't got to do no press conference with the people in Jackson. Since God did it, you don't have to tell them thank you because God is the one that made all of this happen. There was a clip of Dion on First Take responding to me because First Take heard something I said about Dion because I was very critical when he took the job. And I said that Dion was in this just because he was in it for Dion. And Dion said, basically he called me a hater. And then he said, I couldn't just be in it for Dion. How could he just be in it for Dion when it was God that brought him there? And this is what I'm saying, man. This is you, This is what you are doing. You want to be a Power 5 football coach. You figured out a way to be a Power 5 football coach. You are now a Power 5 football coach. You also sat down in that room in Jackson State and told them boys not to go into the transfer portal. They should stay where they are. And they came up to that new job in Colorado and told those boys they might want to get into the port. All right. That's my problem. That's where my issue is. It was always a short short run play. And that's fine. I saw what it was. It was cool. But you said it was something else. And then people believed you, man. And not because they were suckers, but because you, Dion. Those people believed it. And I think he owes those people down there a little bit better. Now, for Colorado, here's the thing. He's going to make a lot of moves in that transfer portal, and they're going to get pretty good pretty quick, I would imagine. But what we have not seen really here yet is how Deion can handle losing. And handle losing is a very important part of a job like this. You're probably not going to go 26-5 and in your first 31 games at Colorado. If he does, build the statue now. But I don't think that's going to wind up happening, right? You got to be able to navigate this losing. And he's going to have to navigate a level of criticism and scrutiny as a head coach that he has never received. And where this is going to get interesting is this. Being churchy doesn't play everywhere. Again, I'm not judging him for this, but you got a job in the SEC, you can pretty much be as churchy as you want, okay? You get a job at either the South Carolina, at Clemson, you can be as churchy as you want. You go to the University of North Carolina, it doesn't play. There are different places where this does and does not play. Colorado does not strike me as the sort of place where that plays, And so as this goes and their struggles come up and he starts invoking God, it's not going to play like it played in Mississippi. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not doing doing any of that, but I'm telling you it's not going to play. It's not. And that's the part on this job. I said this when Tom Herman got the job at Texas, we saw that he could win 11 games at the University of Houston, but we didn't see how he could handle it going seven and five. And he was not built for going seven and five. How is Dion going to handle it if, he, if they, for whatever reason, perform below expectations? That's where this is going to be interesting. He ain't never had all these eyeballs on him, right? So this can work really, really well for Colorado. I think it already has, quite honestly. It can work really, really, really well for Dion. But it really could have been something else if he had stayed at Jackson State, which I don't blame him for. OK, I'm not the one that had to live there. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how his wife feel about being down there. I, I'm not the one that had to do any of those things. And I know I've been around enough black colleges. I can only imagine all the bullshit I was dealing with trying to make it happen. I have no idea. Right. And so the reasons for leaving could all be there. But the way that he has handled his departure reinforces the idea that he just used those people and maybe some of that money gonna keep coming in we'll see I don't know I will say this though for those of us who care about them schools okay and I'm not one of those don't say nothing if you don't give back to your school I don't judge people for not giving you got your reasons right but if you were willing to give or do these things because Dion was there and was bringing in five stars then boys that's gonna be coming in these next few years they need that same love too you know what I mean You don't have, if you was in it for Jackson State, you didn't have to do it because Dion was there. If you were in it for Jackson State, and they're going to keep turning out the games because they've been turning out the games. But if you were willing to do these financial things because Dion was there, there's nothing stopping you from doing them now. You can still support that program in the way that you were willing to do it because Dion suggested it. You got it. It's right there in front of you. You can do that. Give it some thought, you know? Because it doesn't have to be all about Dion, even though he clearly believes that it is. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout, whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. All right, man. So this weird thing has happened. I lived in New York. This is the sixth football season for me in New York. Okay. Actually, this is the, the sixth. Sixth football season here for me in New York. The Giants and Jets are actually good. Like, I don't even really be having to fire up the Sunday ticket no more, right? I had the the, the Giants and the Commandos on one channel, and then I had the Jets and the Vikings on another channel. The, 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 the Giants and the Commandos went to overtime. Um, just want to point out, not that good, that Taylor Heineke, who I keep calling Tyler Heineke, but it, it doesn't matter. Taylor Heineke and Daniel Jones looking like what and what, not really a great thing by the way for the Vikings uh Kirk Cousins and White Mike looking like what and what not really a good thing for you but I primarily watched the Jets game something kind of weird happened okay so I think I'm gonna throw the question out there first and then I'll explain it to you I need you to help me out with something okay Is it possible to root for a team but not be a fan of that team? Can I do that? Dan, is that is that something I can accomplish? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Okay, okay, okay. Cuz hear me out. All right. I kind of want to root for the Jets. Now, I used to be a fan of the Falcons, right? But I got off that narcotic. And of course, you're asking the most obvious question in the world. <laughs> if if you got off of that narcotic, why are you trying to start smoking jets? Right? Like, like that is that is a, a a a primo question to bring up. And that that right there is why I'm trying to ask can I root for the Jets? All right. Couple things, right? When I would go into the TV studio for ESPN more, like when I would go up there, most of the guys on crew were Jets fans and I like them, right? They never had anything to be happy about, you know what I'm saying? But like, I I like those people, right? Like as I met Jets fans and I met Giants fans, I felt better, I feel like about Jets fans, I did. And then I've been watching this team, you know, and like objectively speaking, they're a rootable bunch. They play hard. They've had all these injuries, but they still find a way to keep this thing going. That defense go hard. They got my man Quentin. Um, White Mike out there figuring it out, getting it done, you know what I mean? Like they still need a quarterback and all of that. Garrett Wilson, beast, beast, I tell you, beast. He tried to make Patrick Peterson retire or at least move to safety. Um, But beast, like I really found myself Hoping that the Jets would win. Now, I was part of that about Kirk Cousins on the other side? The world will never know. But I have found that as more happens with the Jets. Oh, Robert Sala. Because Robert Sala, I was talking to uh, my man Charlie Kravis about this. And he said that Robert Sala pulls this off very well. Where he's clearly a tough guy and clearly has a tough team. But he's not a tryhard. Which, by the way, is how you know Robert Sala can fight. You don't want them problems, dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, like that ain't, that ain't it. But yeah, no, I'm looking at that. And like, I want to find a way that I could encourage the Jets to be successful and be happy with their successes without having my life at all tied to whether or not they're going to actually win something. Cause we know that's not going to happen. But I do want to be happy for them when good things happen. I would like to do that. Like, is there, is there some sort of in-between space? where I can simply root for them. Dan, you say it can be done.
1: Yeah, I mean, you live in New York. You're almost rooting for, like, you to enjoy watching football games. If they're on every week, I think that's that's the play you make here. You're not a Jets fan, but you want to watch good football, decent football, best season they've had in years. Yeah, I think that's where I'm going to go with this. Like, that's that's
0: that's that's, yeah, I think I could... I mean, I think they might make the playoffs. They got to play the Bills next week. I guess they already beat the Bills once, right? Like, they may, they mess around and get a sweep of the Bills. I might be out here gang-greening it up. You know what I'm saying? J-E-T-S, you know? But, I mean, at the same time, I really don't like Fireman Ed. And I'll be honest, I don't really know that dude. I might be making just a few assumptions, Right? but something about him just strikes me as everything I hate. Like, just all of it. Like, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, damn, man. Like, but I I realized I miss having a team to root for. Like, I haven't had a team to root for in 15 years, and I can still enjoy the games, but it is a little bit better, right? Like, the way y'all do it is y'all gamble, and I just don't think that's a good idea for my personality type. But, like, yeah, I want... So I'm not making a hard decision because what I don't want is y'all coming to talk noise to me about the Jets. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't really have no interest in that. I just want to be happy for them when good things happen for them and reasonable when they lose eventually because it's going to happen. Like, that's where I want to be. So I'm just letting you know. I'm thinking of rooting for the Jets, but I will not get on narcotic. But see, that's the thing y'all don't understand, man. There's a lot of people out here that just smoke crack every now and then. Like you don't hear about them. But they out here. They do. They beam up. Then wait till the weekend and come back around. But I wouldn't recommend you try that. Right? But what if I can what, what 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 if I can uh uh beam up with the Jets just on Sunday? You think I can be come down by the end of the game? Just a thought. We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you. Now, if you haven't heard.
1: All right, first story this week is about that rail strike I'm sure you've heard of. Here we go. On Monday night,
2: President Biden urged Congress to pass legislation that would essentially force a union contract agreement onto the freight rail labor unions. You may remember this is an ongoing dispute. It became national news back in September when it looked like the rail unions would be striking to try and win better working conditions of the railroad, which have been uh, pretty dire the last couple of years, thanks to lots of cuts in the workforce and in maintenance and other areas of business by the large corporations that uh, own the rails so that they can pay their uh, Wall Street investors higher dividends. And essentially what has happened since then is the Biden administration stepped in to try and broker a tentative agreement. The 12 unions that are part of this labor negotiation then voted on whether to ratify that agreement or not. Four of those unions rejected the agreement because it didn't address their demands. And once they rejected that agreement, they then would eventually uh, get the ability to strike. Now, what makes this labor negotiation different than the one that almost all private companies have to go through is thanks to a 1926 law, Congress can intervene and basically impose whatever contract they want on railroad workers. And in this case, Biden, who you may know, likes to call himself the most pro labor president in history, stepped in and said that he wanted Congress to essentially force those four unions to accept the contract they rejected. And since I wrote that article on Monday, Congress has dutifully done so. Legislation passed both the House and the Senate, and Biden signed it into law. So never say that Congress can't do things quickly when they want to. It just so happens that the things they want to do are the things that are bad for American workers. All
0: right, so let me give you a little hint into the game is rigged, right? Um, I took a trip when I was on my sabbatical. Y'all remember that? I was taking a world tour of sorts. Anyway, one of my stops on my world tour— I met a gentleman um, at the hotel and he's a train conductor. Right. Like that was his gig. And I was talking to him about the strike. This was in September. So I was talking to him about, you know, the labor situation. And he made a very interesting point. He was like, We'll never strike. And I was like, Why? And he said, If we strike, our 401ks go in the toilet. Like the wild irony of it for the workers is that rail travel and just the whole rail system is so integral to the American economy that if they strike, a whole lot of stuff craps out. But it also craps out for them. You see what I'm saying? Like it's not as though America feels the pain and they're not America, right? Like they feel it in a very acute way. Man what rich people always got in every negotiation is time. They can always play out the time. And the working man can very
1: rarely play out the time. And I think this is just another example of that. All right, another week, another Elon Musk story. We're starting to talk about him more than we talked about Kyrie.
3: This past week, Elon Musk launched a tirade against Apple. He went on Twitter and he said, that Apple was mostly pausing spending on advertising on the social media network. And he also accused Apple of threatening to block Twitter from its app store. That would be a huge deal because it would mean that Twitter's app would no longer be available to the millions of people who have iPhones. It was an interesting battle for Elon Musk to pitch, according to the experts we talked to, because Twitter is much more dependent on Apple than Apple is dependent on Twitter. And that's for a few reasons. For starters, Apple is a top advertiser. According to a document reviewed by The Washington Post, Apple spent $48 million alone in the first quarter of this year. And it's known for producing really glitzy advertising campaigns on Twitter around some of its product launches, like a new iPhone. Secondly, Apple has the power to set really stringent app rules in its app stores that can affect Twitter's ability to monetize and diversify its revenue portfolio. Last year, Apple started imposing new privacy changes that really hurt social media giant's ability to collect revenue from targeted advertising. That's something that Twitter's trying to expand into. And secondly, Apple has the power to decide which apps are in its app store and which aren't. And if Apple cuts Twitter out of its app store, that's going to cut Twitter's ability to grow users and subsequently revenue for years to come. So later in the week, Elon Musk tweeted that he'd actually met with Apple's Tim Cook and struck a much more conciliatory tone. But it's clear the story of how Apple Chooses to engage with Twitter is still ongoing. Let me ask
0: people a question. Let's say that the world went back to the way that it used to work and you got news in the newspaper. And you woke up in the morning, you went out to your driveway or to your porch, wherever it is, you got the newspaper, you read the newspaper, you were up on the news, and then you did it again the next day would that make your life worse like like legitimately all the news that we can get immediately do you really need any of it immediately or do you just not want to be the last person to find out and the reason i ask that is as we look at how ridiculous everything is with twitter and it seems to be like pending doom and everything else Everything I read about it is, well, where's the other place you can go? You can go to Mastodon or, you know, if you wanted them, you can go to, you know, the Truth Social or Parlor, or, you know, whatever these other things are that people come up with or whatever. And everybody's just like, yo, so where are you gonna go if not Twitter? And this is in spite of the fact that we all generally believe Twitter to be toxic, right? We all generally believe at this point that it makes things worse, yet somehow... You want to go somewhere else and reproduce it? Like, maybe, just maybe, time is up on the whole thing. And by the way, let me put you on some Twitter game right now that I don't think people have noticed, but I have noticed. And Dan, this is something that's fairly relevant to us at this point. So, you know, I got the right time hashtag, right? And so whenever we put out stuff or whatever, I put it out on the right time hashtag. You got uh, Twitter open on your computer right now? I do. Search the right time hashtag. Here's what you're going to see under the right time hashtag. Do you notice it's not the hashtag anymore? That it is every incarnation of somebody using the words the right time together? You peeped that? Yep. I don't know how no one else has noticed this, but when you start talking about these like rural movements that have popped up because of Twitter, they popped up largely because of hashtags, because you can then go click the hashtag that people are using and see everything that everybody is talking about under the hashtag it helps mobilize it helps organize but if you remove those things and don't make the hashtag the search you've effectively defeated the purpose of the hashtag which thereby makes it a lot more difficult for people to do the organizing that people believe makes twitter so noble like they made that change right here in our faces and we don't even notice it okay this is the direction that things are going in there it's over guys like we can still hang around or whatever but if it's over is it really a bad thing at this point is it well i mean i've got all my friends there i won't talk to them anymore Well, if you won't talk to them no more they might not have been your friends but just look at everything man the question isn't how to replace twitter the question is how can we do better than what we had with it
1: all right finally a troubling trend in the housing market
4: Hi, this is Matthew Galt from Motherborn. For many Americans, dealing with a landlord is just part of your daily life. They can be nosy, weird, invasive, and lazy. And the best kind of landlords tends to be the ones that are hands-off. For some people, they're already extremely hands-off. Automated landlords are here. And though it might sound like a good deal, there's also a lot of problems. Since the financial crisis of 2008, mysterious companies like Imagine Homes have been buying up single-family houses across the country and turning them into rental properties. They often don't have offices in the cities where they own the homes, and everything is done online. You can pay through a portal, and you never even receive keys. You just enter a code to get into the house, and when your lease is up, the code changes. Problems come when tenants need something that might require the personal touch. Want to negotiate a rent hike? Sorry, everything's automated. Need to know who's responsible for lawn care? Well, good luck getting somebody on the phone. Need basic repairs done? Sometimes the automated systems work and a plumber comes out to repair your leak. Sometimes tenants are sent YouTube videos instructing them on how to do the repairs themselves. There's also the effect these companies have on home prices. The ideal target for robot landlords also happens to be the ideal starter home for young families. Imagine homes and other companies are going into cities and towns with cheap houses and offering above asking price to people who are looking to sell. Motherboard talked to Caleb Bone, a guy in Cincinnati who sold his three-bedroom, one-story to robot landlords. They gave him $10,000 above the asking price, never toured the property, and waived his inspections. Quote, it was meant to be an offer I couldn't refuse, and I couldn't, he told us. Purchases like that are great for the seller, but they drive up the costs for anyone looking to buy a new home. It's basically impossible to compete with a robot. These companies only own about 3% of the homes in the U.S., but the number is rising. And as more and more people are priced out of the housing market, it's possible we'll all be paying rent to robots in the near future. Robot.
0: Landlords. And honestly, I don't know what's worse. It's kind of like when they talk about robot cops. Like, is the robot cop going to whoop my ass? And the answer is maybe, maybe not. Don't know. Robot landlords. I don't think I need to say anything other than robot landlords. Hey, this is Bomani. You have reached the right time voicemail. Say whatever
1: you want, get creative with it, but this is your place to talk back to the show. So talk back, peace. All right, voicemail topic this week was, tell us about the time where your dad wouldn't let you win in a game.
0: Oh man, I wish my brother would have called up and talked about the time. So my dad told us both. It was easier for me because he was older by the time I came around. But first time you beat him in basketball, you get $100 back when $100 was $100. You know, was $100. And my brother boy, all his stories, the thing he was gonna get that hundred dollars, he said finally he thought he had my dad one time. He fake left. He went right, you know, it's like chairs of fire. Doom i You about to take it to the rack. Dun, 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 dun. Going up for the layup, doom dun dun, dun, dun. Yeah. My daddy reached to try to grab the collar of his shirt, but missed and took a chunk out the back of his neck slash head and then grabbed the collar and then pulled him down and the $100 was safe again. Dads aren't about losing, guys. All right, Dan, what we got?
5: Hey, folks. So I remember this one time around when the Wii first came out. So I was playing with a Wii Sports Golf with my dad. And we're playing the game. I'm birdie in every hole. I might have eagle one hole. We get to the ninth hole. And it's very obvious that I'm going to win now. So I'm talking my best. He's looking a little frustrated. And so I, I go ahead and hit my first swing. He hits his first swing. And I hit my my next swing. Then on the next swing, on his back swing, he reached up and pressed the power button on the Wii c- control remote and turned the game off. And was like, oh, no, what happened? And I was like, bro, are you serious? Did you really do that? And he just laughed and walked off. He never played me any other game again
3: wow
0: wow he just turned it off <laughs> as a kid i would hit the reset button but not as a dad
1: damn wow all right what we got it's not just dads bro not just dads <laughs> that don't want to lose
6: i actually have a grandparent story my grandma she grew up in blaine bro north carolina which is like between Wilmington and Lumberton. I know you kind of know that area a bit. So I'm at her house. I'm probably like seven years old, and I'm riding. I am like basically learned how to ride the bike a couple years back. I'm riding around the dirt roads and stuff. And she's like, all right, I'll race you. She takes out the bike that they had. We supposed to go around the house twice. So first lap, I'm probably 20, 30 feet ahead of her. I keep going. You know, she kind of drops back, and I just keep going, so I'm trying to beat her. Then when I go back for the second time, She sees me. She starts riding with me again. She kicks my front tire. I veer off. I fall into like a thicket of like thorny bushes. And then I just hear her laughing and she goes around the corner and beats me in the race. I get up. I'm all scratched up. And she was like, you'll never beat me on this race. So love my grandma, but she'll beat my ass in bike racing.
0: (laughs) I have to say, given like the nature of the activity and everything else, like I almost want to ask an appropriate question which is like how old is your grandmama because like yes this could be like 65 year old grandmama behavior but it's entirely plausible that somebody could be a grandmama at 36 and it, like when you say grandmama you imagine 65 but if it's 36 the behavior becomes far more understandable and reasonable like oh yeah yeah they, they, they definitely not gonna lose like that's why dad stories tend to be great because they still in that age and feeling like they got something they matured past it you know what i mean so if you had like a nano damn, that's hard up. But uh, if you got a granny that you call Mama, i eh, I can understand.
1: Some parents take basketball very seriously. Other parents, board games.
5: Let me tell you about the time my mama tried to kill me in a game of Monopoly. Let me first preface this statement with saying we take Monopoly very near and dear to our hearts. It's extremely serious. Your girlfriend will be judged by her ability to play Monopoly in our family. So one time, I was about 10 years old. I was cracking them, bro. I was cracking them. I had the purples. I had the greens. And I had the reds. All with hotels on. No one was skipping me. Everyone was paying. This was going to be my first victory. I was talking smack for a 10-year-old. I was so cold with it. So cold with it. I told my mama I had a slight headache. She gave me some water. And she poured this white powder in it. Now, up until that farm I did not know. I was allergic to about 90% of all aspirin-like pain relief. My mama poured that powder into that liquid, stirred it up, and I proceeded to drink it all down. Headache went away. Within about 20 minutes, my throat started to close up. My eyes got watery. My nose filled with mucus. We had to go to the hospital. I took a couple Benadryls. I survived. I'm a lawyer to this day. But my mama still says I didn't get that victory because we didn't finish that game. Yo,
0: she right, though. I'm so glad that's I was afraid that your mother intentionally induced an allergic reaction. Like that's where I thought it was going. I thought your mama had slipped you a Mickey. Like, and at which point I was gonna be like, wow, you love her more than I would, Dad. You you had the same thought? I think that's what he's insinuating. <laughs> he said that he, she knew. He, he, but he didn't know. He, if, if she knew, he would have known. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I can't believe that she was sending him to the hospital over the Monopoly. She just wasn't going to let him get a victory that did not actually happen, which I got to say feels like a learning lesson for life. You know what I'm saying? Like, like got to cross the finish line, baby. It's what it is. But, Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week. Dan Stancic and Parker Owens handling things behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Also, thanks to our If You Haven't Heard contributors. Thanks to Aaron Gordon. Check out his story on Vice about Biden getting Congress to pass legislation to end the freight rail dispute. Thanks to Naomi Nix of The Washington Post. Check out her story on Twitter and Apple and the little beef they have. And thanks to Matthew Galt of Vice. Check out his story on robot landlords. Remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast.
3: You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: The Right Time
3: with Bomani Jones.